Coming to you live from Brown's headquarters in Berea, Ohio, this is Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Brought to you by Jack, the official entertainment partner of the Cleveland Browns. Here are your hosts, Bo Bishop and Nathan Zagura. All right, let's do it live on a, uh, is it Tuesday, Z? I believe you have that correct. I believe that you do. It is is a Tuesday. Tuesday. It's a Tesla Tuesday in the Bishop household, I'll tell you that. Oh, much. they all that are. Shirt. That's a gift from Yeah. The um Yeah, the days, brother, they just run. They're all there there's a, a, a great a deal of similarity to uh, to every day that we encounter. Except for me, I know it's a Tuesday because on Monday night I'm enlisted by the Ibs boys for the B. Oh, hey, yes. Yeah, you are. Mondays and Thursdays and Saturdays. No, and, and I even got pretty a soon proper, this, this won't even be. Go ahead. I was there. I got a proper outro in, in, in last night. Gibbs said uh, for Jason Gibbs, for Nathan Zagura, for Andrew Gribble. Oh, I'm Jason Gibbs. Oh, yeah, it was. Oh. It was yeah. pretty big. They dropped before some confetti. You... You'll have to tune in to check it oh, out. Oh my was, gosh, it was pretty big. Yeah, before. Well, no, I won't do that. No. But I would. Um, I do think uh, it, it, we're on the tr- a track of Gibbs's overall, and probably along with his Ibs boy brother Gribbs, uh, the overall plan to throw CBD off the air and to have BPA run Monday through Friday, um, right here on ESPN Cleveland. I mean, my guess is that's the big, that's the grand scheme, that's his long con uh, that the Ibs boys have worked together on. I believe that it is, and I see Gibbs over there. I think he's—I believe he's showing us the brand new Buccaneers uniforms, which literally just dropped right now, and they look to me a whole heck of a lot like the Buccaneers uniforms from when they won the Super Bowl: pewter pants, uh, the red jerseys, but some right. striping. Let's do a play-by-play. Pull okay. this video up. Go on Got the it. Twitter. Got it. Pull up the video. All okay. right. So let's 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 let's. All right. So this is just this breaking news. Breaking right news here on Tampa. CBD. That's Ta- right. By the way, Tom Withers with some breaking news, perhaps. I can't confirm or deny, but Tom Withers, AP, with an interesting little story for the kids on our uniform unveil. So who knows? if Tom, I mean, Tom's pretty good. He's pretty good. So could be there uh, reporting this morning, April 15th, Tom did. So there you go. I don't know. Um, this from the Buccaneers, however, as they launch their videos. All right, so you ready for the play-by-play of this? Yeah, let's do, do it. Do you have it up? Yeah. All right, press three. play. Okay. I'll start it off. All right, so our first image – uh, oh, they just kind of go right to it. So I'm looking at the red ones. Z. What do you? The, well, it looks a lot like the Super Bowl era ones, but there is some of the the striping <laughs> right there on the side. But then you get into the next uniform, which is the one that okay, I'm that's pretty the red over. Oh, pretty gosh, look at all in. that gray. All the gray, the all pewter top to bottom pewter. with some some red white numbers, red outline on them, red and white striping down the pants. Uh, I like that that one, and then I know that they've got one more in here. It's going to come with a white. And then an all white. A white and all white. white, which looks a lot like what they've been wearing currently. I mean, I wouldn't say that this is really a huge redesign. Clearly, in around no. all of the numbers, there's a little bit of the uh, – a little nod to the creamsicles. There's a little bit of that Yeah, it looks like it – on the red one, would we call that color red? We would. I would call that red. Yeah, that's definitely red. I would too, but it's kind of got an orange. It's kind of like if you go to the Crayola, it would probably be red orange or orange red. I don't know which one it was, but it's one of those. It's got a little orange to it. Yep. Um but it's it's kind of a red orange. So the main one does have the it does have the beautiful creamsicle orange in the in the number, and then the other two are mono white, mono pewter. Um you know, okay, it isn't it isn't that drastic to be honest. It's no. very the the all pewter, I suppose, is the most drastic. Yes. 
I don't know how that's going to look on the field. I think in theory it sounds good. I think it's one of those things for me with the all pewter that it would look better with a white pant. Like I don't know why you have to go mono pewter. I kind of like a lot it. of gray, man. I kind of like it. Yeah, I, cause I you like, like the, that all black stuff though too. And I like the Seahawks one that's gray. The Seahawks all gray. I think is a, when they wear those. I think it's a great look. The difference is they have a color yeah. on their helmet that contrasts it. This is going to be top to bottom pewter, but I don't mind the monochromatic. I think it looks pretty cool. I, I actually I like those. Those will obviously be like the third one. I mean, the red over pewter is going to be the standard home, and the white over white is going to be the standard road. I think those grays have a home road versatility because I've seen the Seahawks wear their grays on the road as well. Um, but it, yeah, I, I, I like it. I, I'm sad that it isn't more creamsicle focused. Uh, that's what I would have wanted to see, obviously. Well, that um, could come, though. I mean, that, in, well, 20, clearly. in 22 or 21, whenever it is, that could come at that point. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, it's just it's basically going right back to what they wore during the Super Bowl time, which I understand that. And th- this is the thing we've talked about with uh, the Broncos in the late 90s and the Patriots through the Brady-Belichick era is you get married to what I think is an inferior uniform because of the success that happens in the uniform. And so then you're kind of stuck with it. And that, that's what happened with the Broncos, where they're stuck in, an, in what I think is an inferior uniform because they've won all their Super Bowls in those uniforms. And the same is true of the Patriots. Like, they're stuck in an inferior uniform because those uniforms look like success. And the ones that you prefer, in, in the, even in the case of the Broncos, who got to those Super Bowls in the, in the late 80s, are, those are linked with failure because yeah. they get blown out in those Super Bowls, except for the first one against the Giants. But they got blown out in the rest of them. And the same is true of the Patriots getting blown out against the Bears. And the same is true of the Buccaneers and what the creamsicles represent, which is some of the worst stretch in the history of the league. So you're kind of stuck. You are kind of stuck. And I think that it's – I really – I like what we're seeing here. I, I like it. I like the gray. It's solid. It's solid. It's solid. And, yeah, they are – they don't have a lot to go to. Favorite. And they will be able to go ahead and, I think, get going forward. They'll be able to get the, the creamsicles released in. I do think it's kind of unbelievable – given the day that these uniforms were released that, and I realized they shot the promos beforehand, but Godwin's still in 12. And then the first Jersey you're selling is a Brady is a Brady 12 is that's kind of, Oh my gosh. I just, I just realized that. Yeah. That's a pretty quick edit, isn't it? To just get Godwin out. You would think you would think, and to get, uh, you would, you would think not in these times though. These are very difficult times. You know what I mean? You might not that where how wherever they shot that might not even be accessible right now. Yeah, I suppose. But I mean, the video would be. I mean, I don't know why you would launch a. Launch I would a, try launch to digitally alter his uniform to fourteen instead of twelve. You know. Oh, on the you know on their site they have changed. Do you see on the site like if you yeah, go to Buccaneers.com, they have it at fourteen, but in the video they have it as twelve. Right. Exactly. So they do have it that way. Okay. All right. I Look, like the people it's a little fun. It's not bad. Is it the same giant flag? It is. It is the same giant flag off the top, and you can already buy them. You can buy them right now. The, there it is, the Brady red and the Brady white. What about the sleeves? I think the sleeves are pretty – I like the – has that always been yeah. on their sleeves? The full no, ship No, I don't like think that? so. The ship, the full ship, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, I like that. I, I, I dig that. Yeah, yeah, I like them, and I think the whites will be pretty sharp. I'll always like a mono white with a with a gray hat, silver hat. That's going to be strong. Yeah, they'll wear those at home a lot because they always wear they wear white at home. Yeah, a lot. right. They wear white at home to take advantage of the, the relief from the heat. Do you think yeah. we'll ever get to the day when we can do away with TV numbers on shoulders? I mean, I think you could probably do it now if you wanted to. It's not like every NCAA team has has shoulders on the TV TV shoulder right. numbers. 
I don't like them. I think, I think they look weird on uniforms. That's just my opinion. Yeah. I don't have a problem with that with that statement. I don't have a problem with it. Um, I'd have to see one without it, you know, to imagine what it would be like without it. I could I could imagine a visionary trying to take them off and trying to do without them and then probably being usurped. Uh, I could see that type of thing where someone would try to take them off. But, uh, yeah, look, I like them. I think they look solid. I think the all-white strong, I like the ship. It looks like they have the same helmet, though, right, with the giant flag on the side? doesn't look like they changed that at all. No, that looks the same to me. And I'd wonder, I wondered personally if they were going to maybe minimize that a little bit and bring yeah, it down. Yeah, because it's giant. It's ginormous. Now, if you've ever been to their practice facility, they have that in flag form that I'm pretty sure is the biggest flag that I've ever seen. I'm pretty sure it's the biggest flag. Gibbe, is that not in your little corner? Is that the biggest flag you've ever seen, the Buccaneers flag at their, at their facility? Gibby with a, a hearty nod. Yeah, it's – I mean, it looks like it's a giant feet. flag. It is. I don't remember a giant flag when I was there. It is. It's massive. I can tell yeah. you that. It is massive. Yeah. There's so much pressure with this, and you saw it with Demoff uh, with the Rams last week where he had to, like, answer for it. Um, and he said, look, we appreciate your concern with the uniforms, but basically this is what we're doing. Like, right. We spent five years doing this. This is what we're doing. Love them or, or hate them. This is what we're going to be going forward. I also think the Rams are a classic example of they should have probably dropped the logo and the uniform at the same time because nothing in the Rams logo drop is going to be on the uniform. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's not like anyone's going to see it on a uniform. The uniforms are still going to have the, the horns around the shoulders and the horns on the hats. So they don't – you're not going to see that L.A. thing on any helmet or anything like that. So it's it's no. almost like the logo's kind of irrelevant. Yeah, and we've, you know, we've went through that at a time here with the Browns when logos were changed, and, and it, sometimes it's made much ado about nothing. And so, you know, I, I like it. And I think that the Bucks did a good job. I don't think they overhyped it. I think they did a good job with the teaser. I think clearly the way that the Browns have positioned their uniforms uh, and them coming out, not saying the date, it's not being overhyped in any way, shape, or form. You know, last time we know what happened with the big uniform reveal, and it was a cool spectacle, but the unis didn't quite live up to that. And I think this time in the, the vein that we've talked about of traditional and authentic and clean and, and no nonsense that – you're going to have a release that is commensurate with that. And that's why that hasn't been hyped. That's why it hasn't, there hasn't been a countdown clock out there. And, you know, it's like we told you, if you pay attention to scores, it's coming sooner rather than later. And I think people are going to be very, very pleased with it. But I think this is a good job by the Buccaneers. I like it. They didn't, in some ways, they went back to a look. Their base look is covering their glory days and added in what I think is a really cool pewter top to bottom uniform. So I say, I yeah, say well, bravo to them. I give them, I give them an 8.8. Yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, it, with what they have to work with, if you're if you're gonna if you're not gonna have the cream sickles a part of it, like I've seen some modernized cream sickles that are incredible. Uh, if you're not gonna have the cream sickle a part of it, and not gonna go with a white hat. If you're not gonna do that, then I think this is the most this makes the most sense. This is the simplest way uh, to get back there to that point. Um, yeah, it's good at that point. Jinx talked about it at to Cleveland.com. You saw that with Dan Labby at Cleveland.com where Jinx yeah. talked about the unveil. Didn't give a date there, uh, but did talk about it was always going to be a social uh, unveil. And they're also trying to do some stuff with, um, you know, with, with COVID-19, coronavirus relief, that type of stuff. So right. you could see something with that coming in the next, uh, well, whenever. Um, the OBM Hot Topics, Ohio, Ohio Business Machine, preferred copy provider of Cleveland Browns, while the X's knows for your office, call 216-485-2000, visit ohiobusinessmachines.com. Uh, the Beast is out. Dane Brugler with the Draft Guide, The oh. Beast. It's published. It's available for download. Log on to theathletic.com. He's going to join us tomorrow uh, for the full breakdown of it. But this is kind of a – especially since I've been here, 
this is kind of a date on the calendar you circle in terms of, okay, here it is, boys, dig in. Yeah, it's it's what we call the draft Bible. It is what we can't wait to get our hands on. It's going to be unfortunate not being at the office so that we could have Gibbe run out, you know, run the printer, and we could have those just right there on our desks at our disposal. I don't know if I have enough paper in my home, I don't. to be perfectly honest with you, to print nope. this draft guide out uh, the mm-hmm. way that I like to do it, sorted by positions, et cetera. But Dane's the absolute best. This draft guide is, is the best. It's everything you need to know about anybody that even has a chance of being drafted uh, in a couple of weeks. So. Uh, I think he does a great job. I've always thought he does a great job, and I'm certainly looking forward to getting my hands on it, being able to go through it, start digesting it, reading about these tackles, reading about these safeties like Jeremy Chin, oh. who he identified as a, a great target for the Browns on day two, uh, and really kind of diving into all of the people as you go through. Listen, there aren't many people in the world that on in the sixth round, the you know, 18th pick of the sixth round that have at the ready something about that guy, Dane Brugler does, and that he gives you that opportunity. You know, I don't know that anybody else puts out anything quite as comprehensive as what Dane does in the world. And so for, not, you know, not for, to that level. For guys like us, when you're broadcasting and, you know, the Browns select a, a random player or some team selects a random player from some school that you maybe never even heard of, he's right there in Dane's guy and he's got everything you need to know about him. And I think that's, it's a fascinating thing. And it's a great, you know, this year, I think the draft's going to get so much attention, obviously, given the environment we're in and that it's going to be new sports content. It's the best thing that you can have at your side. So when you want to know, oh, let's, let's find out who these, these guys are the Browns got. Let's find out who these guys are, the people in our division got. It's right there for you, and you'll be able to have much more intelligent discourse and have a better understanding, even without watching these guys on tape ever, of what kind of players they are because of the hard work that Dane puts into this guy. The, the blood, the sweat, the tears, the hours. It's a remarkable feat, and it comes with your subscription to the athletic. I mean, in the past, you had to order this guide on its own, and and now you you just you get it, which I think is tremendous. Yeah, I agree with you. It's awesome. Look forward to talking to Dane tomorrow about all of the guys in the draft. He knows it front and back, and the beast obviously a big part of that. His annual draft guide dropping today. Coming up next, we go around the league. Lots to get to, including an interesting plan for hard knocks. We do that coming up next. Often running on a Tuesday, Cleveland Browns Daily eight fifty ESPN Cleveland. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cooking is hard. Delivery is easy. So order takeout delivery at buffalowildwings.com or through the new Buffalo Wild Wings app and get an award-winning wings. So great. 24 sauces and seasonings delivered hot, fresh, and straight to your house from our delivery partners at DoorDash, Grubhub, Uber Eats, and subject to availability, of course. A good job out of B-Dubs taking care of business there. Let's go around the league brought to you by Jack. Uh, we mentioned the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uniforms that are out. There is a there's a bunch of these that obviously uh, ours is coming relatively soon. Um, we know that the uh, New England Patriots where nothing has gotten out on the Patriots front, like not no. a single peep on what they are doing. Uh, but that that's going to get done. Uh, the Chargers, once they unveiled their new logo, said that their new uniforms would be done within a month. Um, yep. So I would imagine sometime before the draft, you'd get uh, the Chargers baby blues, which is something that audience is obviously clamoring for, whatever's left of it. Um, the the Rams will drop theirs. They're saying sometime in May, which I thought was interesting that they wouldn't do it before the draft, but they're waiting for sometime in May uh, to drop theirs. You have an amendment to the Colts. It sounds like a helmet logo change 
where just the the uh, horseshoe is just a little wider. It's a very subtle subtle change to the horseshoe. Uh, I guess Jim gonna, Mercy people had. love subtle changes. People really get fired up oh, for yeah. a subtle change. They're, <laughs> they're really, really gonna they're gonna that's gonna be yeah. received really well. The horseshoe is wider. Uh, it's not going to go over well for them. No. Um, certainly. <laughs> uh, and then the Falcons. Falcons have been quiet, but the Falcons are getting full uniform reveal as well. And apparently, yesterday for a little bit on their on their Twitter, they put up a an old logo, like a throwback logo. They put it on their Twitter and then quickly put back to the to the one that they've been using. So I'm wondering if they're going to go some combination of either the red hat look that they wore with Barkowski with the black tops and the silver pants or the black Deion Sanders, as you like to call him, the Jeff George. Jeff Georges. If they're going to go yeah. back to that. I sure hope they do. I, I think those are the best. And I think that I'm hopeful. And, and I think I think that the Buccaneers may have started a trend here that you'll see continuing, which is going back to what works. Not overthinking this when you've got a good uniform set that's synonymous with, you know, a good time in your franchise's history. Go back to what works. And I think the Buccaneers did that, but then added in one cool little wrinkle, which is that all pewter. And I think that yeah. you might see. I think you'll see a lot of that around the league. For the Falcons, that's exactly what they should do. Go back to their beautiful uniforms that worked. And they have a couple of choices, frankly. The Patriots Beauties, have yeah. beautiful uniforms that worked. They have a couple of choices, even though really Pat the Patriots is the only choice as far as I see it. But you I have, agree. you know, the Rams are, I'm sure, going to go back to more like what you've been talking about, Deacon Jones era. And the Chargers are going to the Powder Blues. Yeah, I think the Rams will go a, a, like and try to do like what the Lions and Vikings did, like an updated, uh, an updated Jack Youngblood as the primary. Okay. Jim Everett, Eric Dickerson is the primary, like just slightly tweaking that. Like the Lions, I thought were very effective with that, and sure. the Vikings too, where they took like a classic look and just kind of tweaked it a little bit, but yeah, the primarily the same. And then I think in the end, their their one off, like the Bucks did the all pewter. The, the Rams one-off will be the Deacon Jones blue and white blue would be white. my guess. Okay. Okay. That's what that would be is because the, they can wear the same hat with those. It's just changing those horns from white to yellow, which would be a headache for the equipment guys. But um, that would be the, that would be the way I, I my guess is that'd be the way that that would happen there. Um, and then, so do we get through them all? Yeah. Yeah. So that's all of them. And I, you know, actually, the uh, the Jaguars deserve some credit. I don't give much credit for much, but they do get some credit here because they went back. They went to just a bare bones uh, last year. They just appear a, a bare bones uniform after what had been kind of a wild black to gold fade um, that they had, they had done the previous time. Yeah, that helmet was that helmet and those color rush uniforms that they had that were the turd yellow were yeah, really brown, some of mustard. the worst that have ever <laughs> yeah. happened in, no in in our time. Yes, agreed. And it was um, you know, what was interesting about it is I actually think the uniform set was pretty nice. If they just would have had a black hat, I think, or even a gold hat, I think the uniform would have been fine. But the faded hat just did not work at all with, no. with anything. But that uniform set was kind of nice because they actually got rid of some of their teal and stuff when they went back to this to the more standard. They look pretty generic right now. They don't have anything on them. Uh, just pretty much black and white. Um, hard knocks. This is interesting, provided there is a training camp, are going to be doing a supersized hard knocks this year, Rams and Chargers. Now, both of these teams train in Orange County. So from that sense, logistically, it won't be too much of a, of a problem. Do you think that they're – the way that hard knocks is done – it's so focused on one team. Now, the last couple of years, it's ran out of steam. Like, I mean, Devin Kajus, we ran out of steam, right? And, sure. And so, 
It just wasn't enough. What so maybe two teams balance that a little bit. What I'm hoping is that with two teams, they say, okay, we can do maybe a feel-good story on each team, but let's focus on players that, of the consequence. Guys. Yeah. Right. Let's focus on the guys. Let's focus on Jared Goff coming back and figuring out what he's got to do to, you know, get this team back to the Super Bowl and answer the critics. Focus on, you know, Cooper Cup or Tyler Higby, who exploded at the end of last year and seems to be a rising superstar in this Rams offense. Give me more McVay. And then from the Chargers standpoint, you know, let me I want to learn more about Derwin James. I love his game. Give me more Bosa, Melvin Ingram, you know, Keenan Allen. Well, I think an underappreciated superstar in this league that nobody really talks about just goes out and produces. I want to know more about those guys. And with two teams, I agree. let's not get into the minutia and get into the weeds of, yeah, there's some great human interest stories, but you know what? People care about stars, and people want yeah. to see stars. Give me access to the stars. I remember when they did the Cowboys one, it was so cool because you would you'd learn more about Dez or, or Marion Barber, who at the time I loved, and they had that clip of him yeah. in a pass-blocking drill where he drilled somebody, and then they have him playing the piano and saying, you know, he's actually a really quiet, reserved guy. That's the kind of stuff I want. I, I don't even Bengals with Ocho Cinco and Carson Palmer and Hushmanzada, and yes. that's what you wanted to see. I'm, give me that. That's what's needed. Give me that. Now, how much of that? Because you know, I was just starting here when we were on Hard Knocks, so I I didn't know like in terms of how it all went. But how much of that is on the team to provide those players available? It's a lot. They work with the producers on on who they want, but the producers also, you know, want certain guys and, and want those. They want those diamonds in the rough. That's what they're looking for. And I think, you know, on our team that year, Hollywood Higgins would have been the perfect guy to take right, a look at. They just at. said the wrong guys. And they just said like the, they had guys the wrong. Who weren't going to make the roster. Yeah, you, like you knew that Broby had no chance. Brogan Roback right. had no chance to make the roster the juice was a long shot and yeah yeah you want to find one of those guys but I'm hoping with two teams in the event that either the team or a player doesn't want to do it you have enough star power over two rosters that we can focus much more on the main events here do you think I, I have a theory that the NFL also here threw a bone to the Chargers I because think it's, uh, absolutely give them some get, raise their profile give them a little something there's no interest in that team uh, ownership knows it. They are completely tepid in the LA market. LA doesn't care about them at all. Uh, they're 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 breaking a what has basically been a forty year tradition of refusing to bend on wearing the baby blues, and they're going to yep. wear baby blues as their primary. So they're desperate to just try to get any sort of buzz around them. And I just wonder if the NFL said, "Hey, uh, we're you're going to get the Rams, but you got to do the Chargers too. Throw them a bone going into the new stadium, provided the new stadium's even the one they go into." Right. I think they will, again, try to help them out, give them some stuff to care about. And that's why I think with them especially, you need to focus on their young, marketable stars for to give people a reason and to they tune have them. in. And they've got them. Of course they do. Yeah. They've got a very good they're roster, a which team. is why what they're doing at quarterback seems so crazy. But um, it, it's – That is the great – that's a great point. Can you imagine – I'll tell you this. First of all, which roster would you rather have right now with cap situation and everything, Rams or Chargers? It's not. It used to be a landslide Rams like a year ago. It's landslide. I don't think it is anymore. I think it's very close between Chargers and Rams All right, well, let me, for their let me, roster. Let me take a quick look here. Let me take a quick look, dive in here. Um, all right. Cap space. Chargers have $21 million of cap space right now, which puts them in the an upper echelon. The Rams are have negative cap space. They are last in the NFL. Yep. So the Chargers mm -hmm. have $21 million that they can work with. Um, I, I really do think – 
you know, you talk about a, a, a nucleus of Melvin Ingram, Joey Bosa, Keenan Allen. You've got Casey Hayward, Hunter Henry. Um, Mike Pouncey is there now. Mike Williams. Chris Harris Jr. is there. Austin mm-hmm. Eckler. Brian Bulaga is there. Derwin James yep. is there. Um, yep. I think they're better. Desmond King, who's a great defensive back. Yeah, I like this team. You give me a quarterback with this team, and like we're going to be able to we're going to be able to do some things. I don't even know if I mentioned Keenan Allen. I should have Hunter Henry, Trey Turner, Denzel Perryman. I mean, this is a this is they're a, good. It's an excellent roster that is just missing a healthy Cam or Jameis. Right, it makes it, let's go absolutely. Let's go. Whereas the Rams, the Rams roster, as I recall, is very top heavy. You have Jared Goff, Aaron Donald. Um, making the the huge bulk of the money 36 and 25 they yeah. count together that's fi- that's by Mecca because 61 million against the cap just in two players so yeah right. they have they have some issues there obviously they freed up a bunch with Gurley being gone but yeah I think the roster on the other side is is definitely better yeah yeah I do I agree I, I think that the Chargers are the better team they're a quarterback away I like Tyrod but he that but if you have a chance to get Cam Newton you know and I, why if you, even if you love a rookie are you sure one of them is going to be ready to – because that's a win-now roster. That yep. roster is ready to go. You know, like is a rookie going to be able to play – you know, if I had to go with one of those rookies, like the one that would make the most sense from my standpoint from a just being ready to plug and play would be Tua just because of the the level of games he played in and sure. the, the type of offense he played in would fit pretty much apples to apples with, with what you would try to do with the Chargers. But – you're making a big gamble on his health, obviously, but I I prefer him to Herbert, certainly. Definitely, and I think most people do as well. Uh, I, I think, yeah, it makes Cam Newton, I feel like, or, or Jameis would be great there, and I think they have a chance to go and, look, winning your division is going to be very tough, but I, I like them better than I like the Raiders, and I like them better than I like the Broncos at this point. So, you, you know, the Chiefs are the best, the cream of the crop. Seven teams are getting into the playoffs. I like them better than I think every team in the AFC South. No Even I know the I Titans won yeah. the AFC Championship game, yeah. but if they with a real if you tell Cam Newton's the quarterback of the Chargers, okay, yeah. and then I like them. Let's see in the AFC, everybody the East in the East, way better everybody, than everybody, the East. everybody, yep. and then in the AFC North, which is a very difficult division. You know, I the Ravens, I like them. The Ravens, I like better than the Chargers, but on paper they're right there with the Steelers and us, and and you know I think the Bengals are going to be pretty good this year, to be honest. So yeah, they'll be, they'll be vastly. There's no reason why they should be punting a year. Like, there's zero reason why they should be punting year. Yeah, yeah. A um, couple other things uh, as we go around the league here. Uh, this, is, this would be the f- most foolish thing ever. The New York Post is reporting that ESPN is considering moving Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreet to Monday Night Football. If you take Fowler off, not so much Fowler, but if you take Herbstreet off of college football, there's just no, there's no gain in that. There's no gain in that for him professionally. I mean, financially, I'm sure it would be a big gain for him. But there's no gain for that in him professionally in that he's he's so gifted, but he is the voice of college football now for Yo, 20 years. Right. Why would Why? you go off of that to try to get into the muck that is battling for some sort of respectability in the National Football League? There's It doesn't add up. It doesn't make any sense to me either. I, I saw that, and I was a little bit dumbfounded. And it seems like they keep trying to – force non-NFL people in there why is that just put like put Orlovsky on it yeah and put like a lot of those get up guys are really versatile I don't know if it's Ryan Clark or somebody like that but just put a good play-by-play guy 
with Orlovsky and one other guy and go. Bring in Joe Thomas. Bring in Nate Burleson. But Joe would be great. Nate would be great. Yeah, both yeah, those guys. This would be is great. easy. Yeah, this isn't that hard. Just get just get smart guys that know football to come in there with good personalities and put them with a play-by-play guy who doesn't want to be the star of the show. And away he you go. To, this isn't hard. He just wants to distribute the rock a little bit. Pasty game. Yeah, if you want, soccer. if they want to move, if they want to move Fowler to the NFL, that's fine. Put Tess back on college football on Saturday nights where he shined anyway. That's fine. That that adds up. Move Fowler in there. That does. That's okay. He's been off a of game day for a while now. That wouldn't be that big of an adjustment. But yeah. just put Orlovsky on there with him and pick another guy, and away you go. This isn't that hard. Off um, the races. Yeah, Gibby says that the pass interference rule is going away. I didn't read that this morning. Yes. So I wish Gibby could chime in. It would be so nice if we were if we had that ability. But yeah, the, the pass interference replay is going to be one and done. But there is, as I understand it, support for a sky judge. But I don't know if that's no official. But if there, I I thought I saw that like a week ago or something with the NFL and the sky judge. So. That, there's no reason to have that kind of a replay if you've got a sky judge who's saying, you know, hey, that, this is this, this is that, and they just get the calls right. Yeah, very, very simple. So, you know. So sky judge could be a preseason experiment. This is from Yahoo Sports real quick. Josh Alper says, Monday brought word the NFL is not expected to extend the rules governing replay reviews of pass interference beyond the one-year trial they approved last year. Uh, the other possible change um, – would appoint both an umpire to the officiating crew and the other would add a senior technology advisor. Both are variations on the idea of a sky judge who would use video to help guard against egregious missed calls on the field. Uh, Judy Batista of NFL Media reports that aspects of the job, including the parameters of the job and where the officials would come from, continue to be discussed. She adds that one possible route the league takes to make it a preseason experiment. Um, any thoughts of preseason brings the thoughts about potential modifications to the season because of COVID-19, obviously, but it, it's something that they are considering. And I think it's something not only are, should they be considering, this is something that they must do for the game. I, yeah. I think it's, it's a no brainer. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would, I would agree on that point. And so hopefully those things done. The other thing I wanted to get to as we go around the league is the Rams plan to replace Gurley with a running back by committee approach. Here's the other thing that they could do pretty easily. The second round, I think they pick – I want to say they pick like in the 50s. Like, yeah, 52. Did I interest you they in pick J.K. 52. Dobbins? Should I grab Dobbins or Jonathan Taylor or Clyde Edwards-Hilaire? Yeah. Grab one of those guys in the second round. I haven't seen Hilaire mocked that high. You could probably yeah. get him at 52, plug him in. He's great. He's there great. You go. And away you go. This isn't that hard. Like, you don't have to go scrap heap here. You can get a great – you're going to get a great back in the second round. Bo, I'll have you know that in one of the uh, the episodes of the best podcast available, we covered the top five running backs in the draft, and, and they are all no. projected to go in the second round. So be sure to okay. check that out wherever you get your podcast. We, we, Give A's blowing kisses to people to, all over the place. I guess, I guess truly, if it's said on BPA, it doesn't have to be said again. Like it said once, that's basically God saying, here are the running backs. This is where they're going to get picked. The rest of you guys are just pretenders. And, again, we'll replace CBD soon enough with the BPA. Only. No way. The, the way people went a lot. Did you see the outrage? The outrage on Twitter when, when people were, you know, worried about no, that? Like when they were, when they were, I don't think so. I think Gibby's master a, plan is going to come completely to, to form, full form. Yeah, his long come Dobbins, is going to pay off. And before I know it, the Cam Ips Akers, boys in the Z. Taylor. Yep. That's, oh, Bishop, that's the way it's going to go. We're, you and I, we may as well be Siamese twins. We're joined at the hip, brother. I don't know, buddy. I don't think so. I think the Ibs boys have usurped you out of my clutches. No way. It's over. Gibbs, no, I think Gibbs over there singing na 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 na. That's no. what I thought I saw him singing in the upper right there. Not cool, Gibbs. Right. Not cool. 
Not cool at all. Um, all right, coming up next, you want to know what is cool? A little yeah. Daniel Jeremiah mock that the kids are going to love. Oh, 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 boy, are we going to love it. We get it. CBD 850 ESPN Cleveland. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. If you're injured at work, call the workers' compensation lawyers at 1-800-ELK-OHIO for a free case review. Elk and Elk is a proud partner of your Cleveland Browns. Go Browns. Oh, we have ourselves a mock draft from a noted and certainly among, I think, the, I mean, he's in the, when you talk about Daniel Jeremiah, Z, I don't want to overstate, but to me, he is on the Mount Rushmore of mockers. Like, he's one of the mocks that you pay most attention to when it comes out. Uh, he, has, he has evolved into that over the last decade and become one of the Mount Rushmore mockers. Have I overstepped? You have not overstepped. Not even, not even by a little bit. In fact, keep stepping. You're doing a great job. It's, it's, that's exactly <laughs> what he is. He's, he's become yeah. – he's the top dog he's at NFL.com, and there's a good reason for that. I think his work is thorough. I think that he is – uh, he's excellent at what he does, and this is his mock draft 3.0, which is uh, a pretty interesting one if you pay attention oh. to scores. Oh, boy. Oh, boy, is it. All right, so at the top, uh, and I, I talked to Mike Penner today, Pro Football Focus, too, and every there, there's you know hints about a Burrow thing, but everybody just keeps saying Burrow bangles. Like it, people have tried to put things there that aren't there, and it's just it's just too much of a no-brainer. So Burrow bangles, and that's where uh, that's where J- Daniel Jeremiah goes as well. He goes young Redskins. I think don't you kind of think that the Redskins at two is where the dra- the draft starts? Yeah, I think if if there's going to be a move, that's certainly a place where that move could happen and and begin kind of the dominoes falling. That's I yeah. I if totally somebody agree wants, with you. if somebody wants to make a move at Tua, then or or Herbert, or if they love somebody, they go up to two to get him. Um, and and then if that doesn't happen, although he has Chase Young going to, then Jeff Akuda three to the Lions would be the next place because the Lions could drop down to five and get J- get Jeff Akuda. They could drop down Akuda. to six and get Jeff. And still get Akuda. So nobody ahead of him is going to take him based on what's happened to this point. So Akuda three to the Lions. Everybody could just sit where they're at, which with honestly, I'm curious. Let me ask you this before we continue with the good news. Um, what do you think about the fact of just general managers on these calls? My hunch is it will lead to less wheeling and dealing because I don't know if you'll be able to while also trying to talk to your own staff and coaches and owners. Yeah, I think you're going to have to have somebody that's, you know, designated for that. So you're saying only GMs are allowed to be on the phones? That's the way it seems. Yeah, GMs only on the phone. So, you know, they're going to be trying to Zoom meet, FaceTime with their own staffs. And at the meantime, you know, trying to do a deal, if you can do a deal in 15 minutes. To me, it seems like it's not conducive to a lot of deal making. And I think what will end up happening, plus, as you know, and not th- luckily, we're not the case. Our group is incredibly tech savvy uh, in terms of our leadership, but there's a lot of organizations that are not at the top of the end of it and that are, could panic in an IT situation. Yeah, it could lead to to a more dif- difficulty with trades, but I think the prepared teams are going to be anticipating scenarios when it's their time and who they want to trade yeah. with and, and have, you know, you're going to have to begin those discussions with teams when neither one of you are on the clock and neither one yeah. of you are pressing. So, hey, if this comes up, we're ready to move and do this. My hunch is it'll just be more difficult because people will be scared of the technology. I just, I just. Well, I mean, you heard if, you if, heard Harbaugh today say that he's worried that 
you know, the, the technology is going to be compromised and that their, their yeah. draft boards are going to leak out and, and things of that nature. So there's a lot that they've got to do with this uh, to get it figured out. I, I hope that they do. Um, and I think it's going to be fascinating. I can't wait. To, I want to know right now. Why won't anybody tell me? Are they going to be in a, in a draft room online where they literally click draft the player? Right. That's what I want to know. Is there going to be a list? Of, I would a love few? to know. Yeah. yeah, man. Like, wouldn't it be cool to know the platform that they're going to draft off of? Shouldn't they draft right off the NFL.com fantasy football draft platform? Like, yes. Why not? They can load up every why prospect, sort it by position. You can make your yeah. own draft board in there, and then you do it just so that they can go forward. NFL.com say, you want to draft exactly like an NFL GM? This is exactly what they did. And now that's what, we, that's, that's what we've got in our fantasy football yep. drafts. I Sweet. love it. I, I'm, I'm absolutely for it. And they could almost, if they wanted to like have some sort of a safeguard, they could have the, the GM on the phone and say, confirm your pick. You're picking – uh, you know, the Detroit Lions pick Jeff Akuda we see in the queue, confirmed, general manager gets on, goes confirm, and away we go. Yeah. I mean, I think that's that's a pretty simple way to do it. Tristan Wirfs goes four to the Giants. Justin Herbert, five to the Dolphins. It's, this is really interesting. Um, anybody I've talked to in Miami says Tua, everybody, but I don't know if it's smokescreen or not, but everybody I've talked, I've, I've talked to down in South Florida says Tua for the Dolphins, that he's who they covet. Um, so they go Herbert, he, D- Daniel Jeremiah goes Herbert to the Dolphins at five, Tua six to the Chargers. Um, Derek Brown, defensive tackle out of Auburn to Carolina. Number eight, Jedrick Wills, Alabama, offensive tackle junior to the Cardinals. Mekhi Becton, uh, Louisville goes number nine. So in this scenario, uh, three of the four tackles would have gone, and at number ten, Z. I'm just, you know, I know you were paying very close attention. You went to a private school. Is there a name that you thought maybe you would hear, but you haven't in this mock? Is there, is there a name? Is there anybody out there that that you said, hmm, hmm. that's interesting, Uncle Bo? I would have thought maybe that he would have been taken by now. Yeah, I mean, the name that first comes to mind, obviously, you know, Jerry Judy. I, I, I'm shocked that he's still on the board. <laughs> but no, oh, there. Uh, Isaiah oh. Simmons. Dosunos. Dosunos. Good. I mean, how grief. could we? How, I, I believe are that we run to the podium do- in this case. That's what I think we do. Are you and I going to be doing any sort of programming that night? Do we know? Is Are all those things being sorted out? Or you'll be doing programming? Well, not me, but you guys. BPA, I'm sure, will handle it. But no, um, I I, but from a from – a, uh, from a, Hold on. Give, give a's ge- gesturing. What's he saying? Yes, no, all of us? A, yeah. No. That's a B, that's a BPA situation. That's it the is not. Boys and you no, it isn't. That that's back. like yeah, me, that's you, and Joe Thomas. No, zero chance. Um, so Simmons, what's interesting on this is if if this were to play out, and you and I are in some sort of Zoom meeting as we are right now, which is not for public display but just for our own sakes, if this were to happen, the fifteen minutes or is it fifteen? Yeah, we'd be on the clock. The fifteen minutes that we would be on the clock with this kid available. I don't know if I could handle them. Ten minutes? Okay, fine. Give me ten. No, the first round, isn't it 15? I don't Whatever it right. is. It I doesn't matter. I My stress level, like, I, I almost start to sweat now thinking about it if this kid's on the table at 10. That's how much I love him. I know. I, I certainly He's like a bigger hope. Derwin James. Yes, and he's a perfect chess piece, as, as Daniel Jeremiah said, in a division where you have to contend with Lamar Jackson. Yeah. I mean, he covered slot receivers, and he rushed the quarterback, and his rush rate was insane at getting to the quarterback. Yes. Plays safety, linebacker, rushes from a defensive end spot, can cover slot corners. Stunning. 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 It is 10 minutes. By the way, way to go, Gibby. Gibby gets a win. 
Gibby. There he is. Big win for Gibby. Big win. So for what this Gibby. would do is though, is this would allow you to you would go corner, you'd go tackle probably in the second round. Or you'd trade the way into the, or you would trade into the end of the first round because as you yeah. look at this draft as it unfolds, twenty six Josh Jones, twenty seven Austin Jackson. Uh, and I think that's kind of the area that you would be looking to get into, maybe convince you know the Seahawks to to pick up some assets and move down uh, and go ahead and grab you know a, a tackle there. And Josh Jones, a guy out of Houston, started more than anybody there. I, I like him a, a lot. Austin Jackson has been inconsistent, but an incredible athlete. And there's a lot of people when we were at the combine who said this guy's a perfect zone fit, a zone wide zone scheme fit. So I do right. think you have and an also- opportunity to do that. Ezra Cleveland would still be on the board at that point to where you could make a move on him, the kid out of Boise State. So there's Or you could guys. say, look, we got Isaiah Simmons. We're going to trade one of our third-round picks and get bring Trent Williams in here. Yes. Yeah, you could do something like that. And I think the one thing to remember, because I know fans get so – they freak out about not getting a tackle. They're always so worried here about the offensive line. And we just did the all-decade team, and we had two guys on it. And that offensive line that had Mack and Thomas – and uh, uh, Mitchell Schwartz. Yeah. All of those guys, you could argue, could have been on the on an all-decade team. Probably Schwartz would have been on the outside looking in, but Mack and Thomas made it, and Joe's a unanimous. How much winning did you do? None. Right. So if if Isaiah Simmons is on the board, and he's a Paul Amala, Derwin James wrecking ball, that's the guy I want. Of course. The wrecking yes, ball. This absolutely. is Uncle Bo's opinion. Absolutely. That's exactly – Absolutely. And Mitchell Schwartz, by the way, was found in the second round. And there are, I think, plenty of quality tackle yep. prospects that can be found there. Um, if, if I, I believe that Isaiah Simmons is a transcendent talent. And if he were there for the Browns at, at 10, you, you run to the podium. But we'll see what the evaluation yep. is. We know how valuable left tackle is in the grand scheme of things and how, how technically speaking, an off-ball linebacker or, or safety who's more of a box safety is – is not as valuable. But I think if you added him into our mix, you'd feel great about things. You'd feel great about everything going on. You get you already you have the best right tackle uh, in the league now. You've got arguably the best left guard. You have one of the best centers. I know that internally the belief in, in Wyatt Teller and, and Drew Forbes is very, very high. And so they need to dress yeah. left tackle with it. Maybe with a second-round pick. Mitch Schwartz, as I said, second-round pick. Like you can get good players. And so you'd have that opportunity to do so or move back into the first round and get that tackle. I mean, if you got a tackle you really coveted and Isaiah Simmons, this draft's a, it's such a home run, I wouldn't even know where to begin. I wouldn't even know how to talk about it and keep my composure. What number, what, what number would you put him in? Right now he could wear 42 for us. Right, and by the way, yes, Bo is fitting him for jerseys. Right now he could wear 42 for us, which I, would be my preference, 31 available which is an interesting kind of 28 would be available 22 23 i mean 23 which was obviously joe hayden here but to me 23 is always a superstars number you know you think about it's pretty good and in cleveland it's obviously a big number hold on there's got to be there's nothing better in the 40s for us oh boy there's nothing better than 42 I mean, 42 is the best 40s number. What about – what about best. can he be as a safety? Can he be in the 30s? Give me 33. What about a 33? 30, that's, yeah. I mentioned 31. 31 or 33 would be available. 33? Three times Dos Unos, so 33 yeah. would be pretty cool. 33. That's James wears 33. Derwin James wears 33. Larry Legend, your boy, yeah, Laurinaitis, the other James. Yeah, threes. Threes. Wow, I like that. 
I mean, I'd love to see him in 44, but Taki's got that right now. I think 33. And Taki would... fits good for 44. Yeah. I like 42 from the lot standpoint. Like, I like uh, the look. I always like the look of Ronnie Lott in that 42. It oh. just was so menacing. God. Yeah, and it's 21 so times menacing. two. 21 is always a good number. Yeah. I thought I'd, be, yeah. I'd, be, I'd be thrilled with 33. I wish he could just come out and, like, this was the good old days and he could just wear number one. We don't see enough people wearing number one anymore. Number one is a great number. It's a huge college number. It's like the number one college number. One and two are the best college numbers. Every kid wants those two numbers. Yeah. Um, but in the pros, you don't see many of them. Cam Cam had to wear one. At, Cam wore two at Auburn, had to wear one at Carolina because, get this, Jimmy Clausen had two. So he had to wear one. That's how they be. He had to wear number one. Uh, but a lot of the you don't see a lot of ones. Jeff it's George true, was don't. one with the Falcons. He wore number one with Warren the Falcons. Moon, a relatively famous number one as well. Yeah, yeah, relatively. Tough. You see yeah. a little of it, but not as much. You should get All to right. give one, number one to one player on your team. That's why I'm I'm instituting a fun rule. Number one, you get one guy on the team gets to have number one position regardless. I think I think a real simple amendment. There's not enough single digits in the NFL. I think the simple thing to do would be to open up single digits to receivers and defensive backs. Like, if you opened up single digits to them, there's no reason not to. Let corners wear two. Let them wear four. The, let like safeties wear four and eight. One you two. don't like it or you do? I love it. Yeah, like it's cool Miles Garrett was wearing number that. one, it would be awesome. But, yeah, two? What did he wear Come at on. A&M? Eight? Didn't Miles wear, like, eight at A&M? I don't know. I know he was a single digit. Like, Chase Young wore two at Ohio State. Right, exactly. Of course he did. Yeah, I think there's – let me see. 15. He wore 15. 15. That's right. At, which is cool, too. Like when you see a, a DN in 15. Those are yes. always cool. I like seeing linebackers in 11, too. I always think that looks cool. 11? Like yes. And wore that at Penn State. Wore 11. That was cool. Oh, man. So, anyway, we would be thrilled about this, obviously, to say the least. We'd be very, very thrilled about these things. Much more to get to on the program today. Uh, we will get into coming up in the 2 o'clock hour. We'll do our linebacker breakdown. We've got a lot of stuff going on in the sports world. we got Major League Baseball with an interesting plan. Um, we've got uh, – go ahead. Do you have something else? I have a teaser for you as well. I can tell you who Joe Exotic oh. has, has decided should play him in, the, in a film making of his life. Oh. If it's not Dax Shepard, they don't do it. No, there's one. One of the names is pretty good. One of them is an outrageous. No. Okay. One of them is pretty good. I you don't keep guessing if you want to keep going. If you want to keep going, one of Those them is the Brad Pitt, no which is outrageous. No. Yeah, right. No, not happening. The other one though is pretty good. Give it to me. No, no, give it to me at the top of the hour. You can save it. Give it to me at the top of the hour. There it is. So Teaser. we'll hit that. I'll probably do a BPAT, something I'm sure that's required of me. We'll get to all of that coming up at 2 o'clock. CBD 850 ESPN Cleveland. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. All right, welcome back into Cleveland Browns Daily on a Tuesday edition of the program, episode 14. Of Zagura's primary show, the best podcast available is out today on the Browns YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Browns, or wherever you get your podcast, Gibbs, Gribbs, the Ibs Boys, and their sidekick, Zagura, bring you their top five wide receivers, tight ends, and linebackers in this year's draft. If you don't hear it on the BPA, then frankly, you're not listening to anything relevant. Our Browns Deep Dive 2020 (laughs) post-free agency spotlight is available and we continue that today right here on the secondary program for you cbd welcome back in to everybody out there we're going to do by the way i want to play we're going to play in the next segment we're going to play 
Uh, Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks talking about Simmons at 10 for us. I was just so overwhelmingly excited with the idea of him being available. I can barely contain myself. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so we'll play that coming up for you guys, and you'll get to hear like kind of, kind of where their thoughts are on those things. All right, this is a position as we continue our roster breakdown post-free agency that – go ahead. we got to tell the people the, the payoff for Joe Exotic. Oh, Joe Exotic. Go, go. He wants, Bra- he wants Brad Pitt. Of course. Or David Spade. And I think David Spade would be, would be pretty Well, if you go comedy good. with it. I think you could do comedy with it. The problem is, is if you go through the first three episodes, even a written scripted comedy would seem farcical compared to the reality. Like the reality was so out there. I just don't know if it makes, if there's anything you could do that would match up with the reality. Like you could just do a retelling of it, I guess, with Spade in this absurd role, like as a comedy. Like I could see like Danny McBride is involved and Will Ferrell as Doc and whatever that clown in South okay, Carolina like Farrell could play so that good. guy. Yeah. Farrell could play that guy in his sleep. Like yeah. you could do all of that. But there's so much heavy stuff that happens at the end, you almost have to erase that from your mind. Like the idea that Joe Exotic thinks it's like that they need to have like a fictional accounting of this tragedy is insane to me and probably speaks to the the overall program. Like for example, I have no interest in seeing another episode of this. I think they're going to drop another one. I'm good. I'm done. Well, there's a, and also supposedly there is going to be a new series launched, an investigation, investigative series launched on the premise of, of figuring out what happened to Carol Baskin's husband, which I'm in. I'm in. For okay. That. Uh, now, now that would be interesting, but I don't want to see that Jeff Love Low, whoever he is, long. I don't need to see that guy running things in no. Oklahoma. Do you? Like I no, guy's terrible. No, I don't need that, anything. He's I a don't real crud. Anymore. He is a real crud. Spade would do it well. Like you, you and I could cast it right now. With that group of characters, like that, that uh, a spade, feral. Um, let me think. Who could play Baskin? Who could play Carol Baskin? Is there anybody out there? I'm trying to think of an SNL. If there's an F. Oh my God. Uh, oh my gosh. What's her name? She's been on sitcoms. She was in the Brides Show. And um, Bridesmaid. Melissa McCarthy. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Perfect Carol Baskin. She'd crush that. She'd be great. Yeah, she would be She would crush that. She would be good. Just devour it. There's a show. You got to find a place for McBride somewhere. Like, he he has to be in that. He just has to be. He McBride would be, like, one of the, like, wranglers on the the property. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. That would be perfect. Like a tiger wrangler. He'd be the guy who had the crazy long hair that, like, kind of turncoated on him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be McBride. Perfect. Perfect. There you go. Yeah, that's that's exactly how that goes. We just cast it. It's we done. just cast Print it. Netflix. You're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah. yeah send what else do you need? Royalties. A little bit of royalties on that. All right, we're doing linebacker. Um, on the roster today, Mac Wilson, Sione Takitaki, B.J. Goodson, Tay Davis, and Willie Harvey. This is the roster spot now, I think, that is the numero uno when it comes to something needs to be added here. Uh, yeah, I would say that it certainly does. I mean, you go through those names – You've got not a whole lot of experience. Tay Davis, you know, three years in the league. B.J. Goodson is by far your longest tenured linebacker in the league, five years. Uh, Jermaine Grace, who's never really been able to crack a starting lineup anywhere. He's been in the league four years. And then Taki going into his second season. Wilson going into his second season. Willie Harvey, uh, an undrafted free agent rookie out of Iowa State, going into his second season. Montreal Meander has been a, a perennial practice squad guy. So you've got really 
three people with actual lineback two people in your linebacking room with actual linebacking experience in the NFL. I mean, playing substantial games, and that would be uh, B.J. Goodson and Mac Wilson, who did that as a rookie. You know, Tay Davis has been in the league for a while, but this is a guy that is a special teams player. That's what he yeah. has been um, predominantly in his career. He has not been much of, of a linebacking, you know, player. 30 tackles in a season is his career high. Uh, he had that in 2018 when he was an undrafted rookie free agent. So you talk about a room that is, in, in my opinion, in desperate need of, of an, an infusion of talent. It, it is this linebacking room. And it's not so much, you know, do you need another rookie? Because, you know, there are some darn good linebackers in this, in this mm -hmm. class. But I think you need somebody that can come in with a little bit of a veteran presence. And I don't even mind getting in, you know, Nigel Bradham's a guy that I would mention. That's a first West, name I think of, yeah. Wesley Woodyard, who played for the Titans for all those years at 33, is a guy that I would think about. Preston Brown is a guy that I would think about. But Bradham, to me, Michael Kendricks would be another one. Give him another runaround here. I think he would just bring so much Isn't leadership and to, this, to that room. And I think it's a room that needs it. You know, Mac Wilson coming back is your number one guy by uh, by a pretty wide margin right now. Yeah, I I, I think you hit on a name in Bradham that makes a, all the sense in the world. Uh, he's thirty. Um, is a I was looking at his PFF grades above seventy three and three the past four NFL seasons. They they talk about being inconsistent versus versus the run, but athletic and can fly sideline to sideline. Um, good against tight ends and backs out of the backfield. Good kid. Good citizen kid i mean he's 30 now but i mean he was a kid when i knew him back in north florida but great player uh, really good dude and would provide leadership stability i just i think you have to do something in terms of a guy who's on the field a lot next to mac uh you're going to primarily play in two backs that two linebacker situations anyway but i think you got to have a veteran out there you know with him in going into year two learning a new defense I would agree, or maybe they're thinking that, hey, maybe we can snag Patrick Queen or Kenneth Murray in the second round. I don't know if they'll be there, or maybe even if you're looking for you know, a two-down thumper, Malik Harrison out of Ohio State, who's not Love really going to be a three-down player for you, but you know, would be somebody that could be at least on you know, first down and second down in running situations, be that Mike linebacker for you. You watch him more than I do. I mean, that seems to be the book on him is, you know, not much of a coverage guy, but certainly somebody that can play and and has the potential to be a nice starter uh, and be a physical guy in, you know, in a defense. Yeah, for sure. If you want to go that way. But, again, I, I, I tend to be I think with you. need a veteran. Where you got to get a guy in there who's played, I think. I, I think you need a guy in out there who could speak the language. You know, obviously – I was trying to think if there's – that's why there was so much with Trevathan and all those guys who had yeah. who knew the verbiage of Joe Woods. But, you know, I don't know if there are any of those guys left out there, you know, who have familiarity with system. No, those guys, you know, they, they didn't even let – they didn't even let, you know, Trevathan get to free agency. The the Bears said, no, 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 no. You're staying right here. So it's, it is a difficult – it's a difficult – position to fill at this point i mean bradham is the one name out there that seems to make sense we talked about you know woodyard clay matthews you know you'd love to see him come back but you still i consider him more of a, a pass rusher certainly at this point than a than somebody that would be an off-ball linebacker for you um it's, yeah, you go it's down the list it's just not there's not anybody there that fits no i mean alec ogletree oh, wesley woodyard preston brown um those are really kind of the, the top names that are left.
This is not it's not a great gr a group. It's unbelievable that a guy like, you know, Manti Teow, Jake Wright, Vontez Perfect, but I don't think that I, I couldn't see any scenario in which Vontez Perfect came into our locker room. No, I can't see that either. Mark Barron? Eh. I mean, he, he's been proven to be quite ineffective in our division. Yeah. Just looking at linebackers down the road, yeah, there's just not much out there. No. Bradham is far and away the best of what's left. Yes. Far and away. And that would be uh, the guy I would love to see, you know, make his way here. W will it happen? Yeah. Don't know. Yeah. So as you go to the weakness in the room, it's leadership. It's just yep. as simple as that. And that, that's not a shot at anybody. It's just those are kids there who haven't played a lot who are in that room. Um, and there just isn't there just isn't anybody in that room that, that's going to play a lot that you can say, okay, this guy will show you guys how to be a pro. Uh, there just aren't a lot of those guys in the room. Now, Mac Wilson learned from two great guys in Kirko and Show. Um, but but as you move off of that, that's a lot on a second-year guy to learn a new system, potentially put a green dot on his hat, and and have him lead a room. That's a lot quickly. It, it's, it's a ton. And Listen, I talked to Mac. He wants that. He wants yeah. to be the leader in that room. He wants want to be it. that guy. We do want it. It's just a matter of if, is it possible? Is that something that he's going to be able to do? And, and the answer to that is we don't know yet. And we don't know if they see him as a Mike linebacker, which is what he was at Alabama. And, and if you move him to the mic, then what you're really looking for in the draft is a will or in free agency is somebody who can run around and, you know, play in coverage, et cetera. And Taki Taki is your Sam more of your physical near the line of scrimmage linebacker. And then you feel pretty good, uh, you know, with B.J. Goodson as well. Would Maybe he'd be the starter, B.J. Goodson, McIntyre. But I still think we need somebody else there that's got an opportunity to play and, and play meaningful minutes. I mean, that's a position that does suffer injuries. It's a very physical position. You're involved in every aspect of the game. It's, a, it's a, an important position, and I think that's the one area that I'm still, you know, a little bit nervous about with this, with this team right now. I would put linebacker at a big need, but it's a weird thing because it's not one of those needs that you want to address per se in the draft. Now, if you get a stud, no. obviously you're going to, but to the, the point we've been making is this is a room that feels like it needs a steadying hand. It needs somebody, a been there, done that, guy that can lead and a guy that can let you know exactly what you know is going on help these guys yeah. continue to groom them because mac's got so much potential but i still think we need mac to be able to have a veteran to play off of and and i like bj goodson i just don't know that bj goodson yet is that guy i agree yeah i i think it's probably from a roster standpoint it's the biggest questions left uh, are there and it's it's a very finite answer to it from in my view and it's one that you share and it's a veteran presence you know probably needs to be in there so we'll see what happens here there's still some names out there not many though as as we've articulated in terms of free agents who could left uh who, who could actually help the browns all right we'll continue our positional breakdown as the week goes along as we slide through the defensive side of things uh coming up next you'll hear from lincoln riley on first take talking about your quarterback you'll hear from Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks on the idea of Isaiah Simmons being available at number 10 for the Browns. We get into all of that coming up next. You're listening to CBD 850 ESPN Cleveland. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cooking is hard. Delivery is easy. So order takeout or delivery at buffalowildwings.com or through the new Buffalo Wild Wings app. Get award-winning wings and over 24 sauces and seasonings delivered hot, fresh, and straight to your house 
from their delivery partners at DoorDash, Grubhub, and Uber Eats, of course, subject to availability. Let's get into uh, – we, we talked about it in the, uh, in the first hour of the program, the idea of the Jer- Daniel Jeremiah mock that had Isaiah Simmons falling to 10 of something that you and I uh, refer to him as Dos Unos because we didn't want to really say his name for fear that, that somehow that would jinx us. That's right. Um, and, and now it's, it's spoken into spoken into existence to a certain extent, sir, as this is the first one of the Mount Rushmore mockers that has this actually happening for us. Let's give Joe Burrow to the Bengals at number one and come up with some other ideal mock draft scenarios for the rest of the teams in the AFC North, a selection you'd like to see them make starting DJ with the Cleveland Browns at number 10. Well, Brett, the the Browns in free agency went out and got Jack Conklin to fill one of those tackle spots. I still think they need another tackle, but best case scenario, let's give him Isaiah Simmons from Clemson. Somebody that can be that hybrid defender, a little linebacker, a little safety with big time speed. I would love to see him there replacing Joe Schobert. And Buck, in a division with Lamar Jackson, you better add some speed on the defensive side of the ball. Hey, make no mistake about it. The Cleveland Browns looked at the tape a couple years ago what the Chargers were able to do with all those DBs on the field, particularly Derwin James. Isaiah Simmons would give them a hybrid playmaker that could match Lamar Jackson in the pocket. I just the excitement level I would have for that. Uh... Like the, all the boys would be having Isaiah Simmons jerseys by the end of the draft. Like those would be ordered. And we, once, as soon as we have a number assigned, you're getting them. Sort it out. We're going to take those. Sort it out. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure that out as soon as we assign a jersey number there. That's exciting. I it look would be exciting makes, to have him. It makes a lot of sense. It's something we didn't think was possible. I'm going to tell you, I sit here right now, and I still believe that it is not possible. But I agree. I, I, I would. Agree. I it's know. fun to talk about. And it I would think be, he's going Giants for. It would even be more fun if for it to become a reality. The one thing about the Giants is they've got Jabril, and I'm not saying that Jabril and Isaiah Simmons are it's on the same player, level, though. but it's a and it's a similar position skill set. Yeah. Skill set. So I I know that the Lions love Isaiah Simmons. They also mm-hmm. love Akuda, and they parted with Darius Slay. But look, I, the Jaguars taking Schobert. If he gets to the Cardinals. It is pot if if he gets it would have to be what Carolina would have to take him at seven. So if, if he gets he, by Carolina, it's if he gets seven. by Carolina, it's pot. It's, it's real, real possible. Yeah, um, yeah. Then, well, I would. I think even like even I think the Jaguars are a trap. I mean, I think the Jaguars would have a they hard just time. Paid Schobert. Him. Well, but he's not a linebacker. I mean, he's a he's a linebacker. Swiss Army knife. whatever you want. Yeah, he's, he's a Swiss Army knife. I, I think. Yeah, he is. I, I think that he's a he's an Avenger. I think he's I think it'd be hard for Jacksonville to pass on him. Be very difficult to pass on him. They have him Jeremiah has him going Beckton at nine. That would be just difficult, I think, for them to pass on him. I, I don't think I would breathe until until it, it's ten and he's there. Like I think he's gonna go four to the Giants, but if I agree with you on your Peppers analysis, um it's Giants, it's it's Panthers. And it's Jaguars. I think Jackson, it'd be hard for Jacksonville to pass on him. South Carolina guy in the region. Fans would love him. Uh, they lost Jalen Ramsey. It would be a defensive stud on the back end. Um, it would add up with what they're trying to do in terms of they could draft him this year and then draft Lawrence next year, number one overall, which is obviously what they're going for. So I think there's a lot that would line up with them going that way. You could. It's. I think it's fascinating that in a draft that we're saying is one of the great receiver drafts of all time, and you have so much talent that not one receiver in the passing league is being mocked in the top ten. 
I think that's yeah, going to end up happening and throw something off. I think there will be a receiver that goes. Probably be CeeDee Lamb, right? It could be CeeDee Lamb somewhere in that in that top group there. I think probably, and we've talked about this in respect to the free agent class of wide receivers, that the depth of talent at wide receiver is hurting the top end at wide yeah. receiver. So what I mean by that is, while well, CeeDee Lamb seems to be like universally the number one, and he's a true NFL number one, kind of in the Antonio Brown mold is kind of the way he plays. Yep. Jerry Judy's right there. He's right there. So if yes. you don't get CeeDee Lamb, you get Jerry Judy. If you don't get Jerry Judy, you get Henry Ruggs. If you don't get Ruggs, then you're going to fall down. You can take the kid out of LSU, Justin Jefferson. I mean, is there that much difference and between Higgins those guys? And, and Higgins and even like K.J. Hamler, who's going to go in the second round, is a stud. Yeah. The Levickasha kid from uh, Chenault, the kid from Colorado. There's yep. so much talent at receiver that's like you don't have to make sure you go get Julio Jones because there's other guys that are similar behind him. Yes, but I do think it's still kind of important, no? Like, Well, I agree. I agree. These guys are but that you, good. And and the thing is, when you say if you miss out on this guy, you're going to get that guy. If you're picking in the top ten, you're not going to get one of those those guys. The, the spot to me where receiver is in play, even with the acquisition of DeAndre Hopkins, is Cardinals at eight. Because what they want is three studs out there for Kyler to choose yep. from all the time. And so, like, if you get a guy like CeeDee Lamb who played with Kyler, and Kyler knows how great he is, and Larry's going to play one more year maybe, and you're able to have CeeDee Lamb, Hopkins, Larry on the outside, that's pretty filthy. It is filthy. I just don't see it happening because they have a guy that they like a whole heck of a lot named Christian Kirk, who was a second-round pick in 2018, who put yeah, he was up a good player. 68 catches, 709 yards last year. You know what I mean? I just don't well, know that that's – as pressing of a need for right. for them at that point. It, I, I pre-trade, that's where we, I had a receiver going. So yeah. it's obviously a, a bummer that it ended up happening that way, but it's going to be interesting. Yeah. I, it, Carolina it seems... doesn't need one. Uh, Jaguars, I mean, Jaguars need everything. Like, they could use a receiver, but I don't know if it'd be as big of a need for some of their other DJ things. DJ Chark. They got you know the team so. that could do it, buddy. If they um, if they trade out of two, would be the Redskins. You know, if they dropped back, like let's say the Chargers went up from six and gave them six and a two or whatever to move up to, to number two to go draft a quarterback. I can see the Redskins maybe at six. I mean, they love um, Terry McLaurin. Obviously, you like that. Yeah. But if you could pair somebody next to him to play with Haskins, like that would be appealing maybe for the Redskins. Can can you make the case for me why the Giants shouldn't be taking one of these stud receivers? No. It seems to me they're, it's a, just, they're a perfect yeah. team for it. They they got rid of Odell, so now they're in need of a number one receiver. Shepard's really a slot. Golden Tate's really a slot. They had Darius Slayton last year who actually led their team with 48 catches, 740 yards, eight scores as a fifth-round pick, but he's six one. I just think having a true number one receiver might be something – quite appealing to that organization and you're trying to help Daniel Jones out and Saquon Barkley out Evan Ingram can't stay healthy you know getting a real number one receiver might be a pretty good idea uh, to I me agree. They, I just they don't see, they seem like a team that doesn't do seem it. like they doesn't seem like they have put a positional importance on it I agree with you but I just don't think they would do it at four they should yeah they need a one they they certainly do they certain, and when you have a young quarterback that you're certainly being, you know, you're focusing on Daniel Jones building around, why wouldn't you? Maybe they're the surprise. Maybe that's the team that hasn't said peep about receiver, and maybe they're the one that's going to end up ultimately going with a receiver. Yeah. I mean, it would, it would certainly make a little bit of sense there. Um, 
But, you know, we're a couple of weeks out on this thing, and it's interesting, like, where we are in the top three is where we were in December with Burrow, Young, Akuda, one, two, three, uh, barring trades. And we'll see if anything happens to that front. As I, I said earlier in the show, I, I'm kind of skeptical. I think kind of there will be less trades is kind of my gut feeling right now. I just think this added kind of – there's kind of a, a, an added wrench in it with the idea of everybody being remote, and I think just communication will be a little more difficult in that sense. Like if you get a trade request and you got to – and then you got to call and get the owner on, you got to get the head coach on, you got to get the position coach on to – and then go back. I just think it's adding layers uh, with people not being in the same spot that could make trades a little more difficult. Well, I wonder if you'd be able to take a call, put it on speakerphone. For example, if somebody had called me and I have it on speaker held up to this yeah. mic so I can hear it, you can hear it, everybody can hear it in real time. And I think they'll be able to. I think, I think with this much time, they're going to be able to figure this stuff out. I still think they'll be. Yeah, they do have some deals. time to work on it. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Lincoln Riley, the Oklahoma head coach, was on ESPN's first take yesterday. And among the topics of discussion was our quarterback and his former quarterback, Baker Mayfield. Let's have a listen. Lincoln, I want to ask you about Baker Mayfield because his first season, he had a really strong year. And then he took a step back this past season. Obviously, you know him intimately. What do you attribute that regression to in his sophomore campaign? Uh, you know, honestly, I think it's a lot of things we just covered uh, in while we've had some of the success here at Oklahoma. It, it takes a lot, and I think Baker would be the first to uh, first admit, and, and he has, that, that he knows he's got to play better, and, and he will. Um, but I think, you know, having an organized surrounding cast around you, uh, you know, guys that are healthy, a system that fits, it, it takes everything. And, and if one little part is off, whether it's a – you know, another player, somebody being hurt, a scheme that doesn't fit, whatever. If any part of it's off, then 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 it's going to show, uh, especially at that level. And so, uh, I know the kind of competitor and player that he is, and I know you know he's hungry. Uh, he's had a tremendous off season so far. I know he's very excited about the new staff coming in and and being able to have some continuity. Uh, with some of these players, especially his receivers coming back. So uh, I would expect for him to do what he's always done anytime he's got knocked down, which is he gets back up and he fights and he normally finds a way to win. And I fully expect he'll do that again. Yeah, I, I love everything Coach Riley said there. I, I do think that it that from a from a preparing standpoint, you cannot underestimate how much more difficult this is going to be on us. I don't know, Z, if there are – I can't. I couldn't think of any position in the league that is more difficult than the one that Stefanski and Baker are in here. Uh, from the standpoint of the roster, the playbook overhaul, the offensive overhaul that's going to take place, and an inability, because as you've spoken to, how much practice time this takes to be good at this, and to the, the repetition that you and Joe have talked about, Joe's talked about it before, about the repetition, 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 you're going to miss out on all of that. And there's nobody else in the league that's kind of over undergoing anything quite like this from the standpoint of also having the pressure to win uh, rules doing this in Carolina, but no one expects them to win. Uh, there's new coaches, but no one expects them to win. Usually they're rebuilds. This is a reload. Um, this is a, a tweak and go and to not have these, these OTAs and minicamp is going to be pretty, it's tough to overcome. It is going to be difficult to overcome, and it will be tough for us. I think it will be tough for the Bengals trying to bring in a rookie quarterback in Joe Burrow, teams that are counting on rookies to play important positions. It's going to be a But very no difficult. pressure there to win. No pressure to win, although – That's the difference. You don't want to come in. No, you're right. And I think what we've learned thus far about Kevin Stefanski is A, he's not going to make any excuses, and B, he's going to put together no. a plan that he feels can cope with this the best way possible. And it will be – 
I'll say this. It is going to be incumbent on our players to be doing as much yes. work as possible while they are they away from the work. facility on their own. Watching tape, yeah, getting the to. mental reps, trying to get the steps down when they're allowed to be able to be talking with their position coaches, et cetera. And frankly, I'm surprised we haven't heard some type of an update from the NFL. The rounds were supposed to report yesterday. And we don't know what, point. what our guys are being able to do if they if they are being able to talk. We have heard nothing on that front. So, And that's true for six teams. There were six teams in the league that were supposed to be reporting yesterday. So I wonder how that's all being handled. We're hearing a whole lot about the draft, but this is important stuff for these guys and certainly for our team this extra week to be able to get those mental reps and be able to get to do whatever it is they need to do to be ready for the time that they're actually able to be together. Yeah, you wonder – what has been done. And then for our, the other thing is, and it's something that I know you've talked to with, with our guys with um, in, in respect to what's available out there from the NFL.com in terms of everybody able to watch the, I mean, you can go watch those Vikings games. And I hope that our guys are doing that. I'm sure Baker's yeah. doing that and studying that offense, but I hope our guys are doing that. Um, so they know what this offense is going to look like. I, I hope, I believe that you are correct. And I believe that that is the way, uh, that it needs to be for this team and for these guys to take that leadership and, you know, Baker to be talking to the other guys. Hey, you got to get into this. You need to start watching these games. This is how you're going to be used. This is what it's going to be here talking about it before they have the opportunity to talk with the coaches because we don't know when that's going to be. Obviously, we hope it's soon, but we don't know when they're going to be able to start talking football, talking tape, talking scheme uh, and getting into those those things. And we haven't gotten, as I said, any guidance on that, which in some on some level is quite surprising. Um, but I think the NFL right now is focused on one thing, and that's the draft and, and figuring yeah. out how they're going to do that. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And it's it, it's uh, it is what it is. What are you going to do? Um, and the good thing is, is, is Baker historically has proven to be a, a self-starter, a go-getter. And, and he will take – he will be aggressive in that front. And I just – you know, this whole thing, it sucks on a lot of levels, but it stinks from the standpoint of I just was – I really am looking forward to seeing Baker Mayfield in this offense. I'm really so looking forward to seeing him with those two tight ends. I'm really looking forward to him, to to, to a healthy Odell, to a Jarvis back. Um, I'm, I'm excited to see what this offense can look like where – Bake where they where everything is so much more disciplined offensively of of that look for him to me seems like a recipe for success. If you think about folks and you think about the last the first 15 plays of games last year and you remember how crisp Baker would look in the first 15 to 20 plays of script and then it went off a cliff after that at times. <laughs> off the and, reservation. And it's, there, there's there are reasons for that if you pay attention to the scores. But the but that that fifteen, imagine if that were to extrapolate over the course of sixty plays in a game. That's what we saw in his rookie year. That's I think what you would see with the Stefanski offense that we're gonna see this year. So Absolutely. it just thinks that we couldn't get a look at it, you know, sooner. Total structure, total plan, total identity, and a total rhythm and play calling designed to attack the weaknesses of the opponent and play into our strengths. I think it's a system that it breeds quarterback success. We've gone through all the numbers of the quarterbacks that have played in it. it is, it's tailor-made for it. It's tailor-made for Baker Mayfield's skill set. And you mentioned how good we were when we were all on the same page and we knew what we were doing uh, last year. And unfortunately, we didn't carry that over 60. I believe with our preparation this year and our game planning this year, you're going to see a lot more 60-minute offensive effort than we saw a year ago, and, and you're going to see a team that's putting points on the scoreboard week in and week out. 
Yeah, yeah. That's uh, it's going to be fun when we get back to those points, and uh, the the fit is a good one certainly. Uh, the rest of the sports world reacting a little bit to this as well. We had the PGA Tour uh, with some interesting um, interesting ideas going forward with with where their events are going to take place. The Memorial Tournament actually pushed back pretty heavy on that, so we'll get to that. And Major League Baseball um, and the NBA, NHL, all trying to find things on the table that allow for them to play. The baseball model is pretty extreme, but frankly. Yeah. They're trying. We'll get to that coming up next. CBD 850 ESPN Cleveland. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. My friends, Northeast Factor Direct carries the highest quality name brand furniture. I know a little bit about this. My wife's family in the furniture business nearly a century, and the names that they carry, the names we used to carry, and they're names that stand by and they matter. Talking about Flex Steel in England and Klauser and more. They have Amish-made furniture as well. That's made right here in Ohio, and that's going to last you two decades. That's the way that stuff works. You'll get higher quality than that. It costs so much less at Northeast Factory Direct. Of course, you're also getting those high-quality hot tubs, pool tables, game room sets, anything for the house, they got it. My man Alex is so confident in these prices now that he's offering a one-year best price guarantee. That's right. I've been saying Northeast prices can't be beat. Now it's guaranteed. You buy furniture or hot tubs from Northeast within one year, you find it advertised for less. Alex is going to refund the difference. You'll see the store for the details on that at northeastfactorydirect.com. Check them out. West 140 Street in Cleveland, Lakeland Boulevard in Euclid, or Freeway Drive in Macedonia once we get through the social distancing stuff. But the best thing you do right now is shop them online. You can do so at northeastfactorydirect.com. Z, what do you you want to start here? We can either do the Masters or we can do the baseball plan, which is pretty radical. Why don't we go with it? Do you want to talk golf for a second and then we'll get into the baseball plan? Because the baseball plan is, is so it. crazy and I think it, it it requires a lot of discussion. So I said, let's get the yeah, golf out of I the agree. way because golf's exciting. I right. love golf. So golf was the first to put dates on anything. They did this yesterday. They identified dates for the PGA in early August. Uh, the U.S. Open in September, the Riders' Cups kept the same dates, and then the Masters in November. So they set those dates out there. The Royal and Ancient canceled the British Open, which is obviously separate from the PGA. PGA also said that they want to get back to playing golf on Father's Day weekend. That's what they were shooting for, uh, the former spot of the U.S. Open. There were a lot that linked the Memorial Tournament with that. The Memorial Tournament made a statement yesterday saying um, that, that they are committed to trying to host a tournament with fans, which I just don't think is very realistic. Yeah. Uh, but nevertheless, um, I understand why they would want to do that because that's their economic – that's the way – the way golf tournament – it's not like they don't get a cut of TV revenue. You host a memorial tournament, you don't get a cut of the TV revenue. You get the gate. That's your gate. That's your. That's where the money comes from for you if you're the memorial tournament. So yep. I understand why they would want the gate. And I think, frankly, the PGA Tour is going to have to give them money to, to offset the losses. They'll have to there uh, on that front. Um, so um, – from a from a from a golf standpoint, this is Tom Rinaldi who's on ESPN. He joined RBS this morning to talk about how the Masters might look. Um, and so this was a pretty straightforward question: How many months is Augusta even open for play? How does it uh, how does that play moving into November? Let's have a listen to Rinaldi. So two things, guys. Number one, Augusta National is a winter golf course, and that is a term referring to the type of grass and how it reacts to the different seasons and their respective temperatures. So less than a month, roughly a month after the Masters concludes, depending on where it falls on the calendar, the the membership has their celebratory end-of-season event for those who belong, 
and that concludes the season in May. The club is closed throughout the summer, and no one plays on the course. It comes back in the fall, and that's why you initially heard reports that perhaps if the tournament were going to be held, it would be in October. Now the club went out and said it will, in fact, be November. I thought it was interesting to sort of see the coordinated effort with the tour, with the other majors, to list the schedule. And November, again, in speaking with Andy, guys, he's played there a number of times in the fall and said it, it, it looks largely the same. Now, the, the course may be softer, but it looks largely the same, that, except for the lack of flowers and that kind of thing that's a part of the spring, which is a, a huge part of the identity of the, the event, of course. But winter course closed through the summer. I knew it was clo- I knew it closed after the Masters. I was not aware that it closed until October, but I knew that it closed for a stretch after the Masters. What's really fascinating about that, and you lived in Atlanta for a long time, and this is north of Atlanta, is Atlanta gets chilly in the winter. Like, it's, it's not 75, not compared to what we're used to, chilly, but it's not always golf weather. Uh, right. It can be brisk in north Georgia in, in December, January, and February. It's not always sunshine and roses, for sure. So I'm surprised no, they punt on the summer to, to do it in the I winter. I can't believe that you're not in a, in a beautiful May day or a beautiful early June day in Atlanta sure. or in Georgia. You're not allowed to play at Augusta National as a member. That seems pretty wild bonkers to me in, it, in fact. it does yeah and and honestly some of the winter golf in north florida which would only be exacerbated in north georgia which is five hours from where i lived or better probably six hours augusta's probably six hours from where I, when i lived in tallahassee some of the winter golf stinks like the courses they're hard to come around i'm sure augusta is different but they're not great they're yeah, better so- in the summer certainly I was looking it up. They don't use Bermuda because Bermuda is the is the grass that would turn when it goes dormant, turns yellow. You see all a lot of those courses that are yeah. yellow, and then the fairways and greens will be green. So it wouldn't do that. Um, it says the primary turf is Bermuda, but it's all overseeded with uh, perennial ryegrass, tees, fairway, second cut, and the greens are uh, bent grass. So. The Bermuda gets scalped, the ryegrass seeds laid out wall to wall, and that's what is, allows them with all the water that they use to keep it green. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you, you, did you, you remember playing a lot of golf in the winter in Atlanta? Yeah, we played year round for sure. Yeah. Right. But it wasn't this, it wasn't as good. No, you would get a lot of Bermuda where you would have, you know, that's one thing that they would be able, if they're playing November, they could think about doing is having everything be gold except for, but they don't have rough there. So you're used to the courses where it's rough. And then the greens when they're Bermuda are not nearly as good. Um, right. But they'll always have bent grass at Augusta and they're going to pay the money to keep the thing, uh, you know, immaculate. I I played tons of golf. I played year round down there. I loved it. It was never an issue. I mean, no, I'm not saying it was an issue. I did too, but I'm just saying that it wasn't as good as it was in the summer. Like the no, course weren't as good as shapes. No, you know? no, this will be a unique situation, right? But yeah, it, no, of course not. Nothing is it as good as shape because you get some. You're getting some rain. You're getting some, you know, mud and all of those things going on. It's a uh, so the yeah the average temperature in Augusta oh, in December 60. is sixty. Yeah, I was gonna say sixty. Sixty with lows forty one. By the way, though, just to put in perspective, yesterday was sixty and it felt like summer. 
Right. The other difference, though, of course, that they have is that a huge amount of humidity totally. makes 50 feel a lot colder. Much. Like some of the coldest I've ever been in my life is covering high school football in South Georgia, North Florida in November when it's misty and about and like 48. Yeah. yeah like yeah. you can't even you can't get warm. It's absolutely brutal. And I would take I would take 20 degrees and 20 degrees here over that any day. Like it's it's so cold. Average temperature in Augusta January is high as 57. The lows 39. That so th- it's right. not a, they're they're playing a lot of in the 60s and 50s if you're going to play Augusta National it's like pebble. Oh yeah, it's there's, amazing. There's it's amazing no, they punt on the summer. There's no doubt. I I don't I'm when he said that I was saying to you on our Zoom like did you know that? Like you would I think it closed. I didn't know for the whole summer. I didn't know they punted on the summer. You would think it would be closed for like 2 weeks maybe after the tournament to get everything yeah. out. And then you'd be thriving then. Now you don't have to be stay off because you have to be closed, I'd imagine, for a certain amount of time leading up to the tournament. Right. Yeah, it's strange that they're that they don't that they would they they give up on May and June. Let me tell Close you July, something. August. Let me tell you something. Yeah. If you're a member at Augusta National, oh, you yeah, have plenty of places care. you can play golf. That's when, true. When Augusta None of them are living in Augusta, Georgia. Either. No. There are very few. So you're you're fine. Fly in. You're safe. Yeah. I just think it would be more hospitable to do it in the months that they're closed than the months that they're open. It seems um, wild to me. All right, we got to get to this baseball thing. So Jeff Passan, I think this is a test balloon is what I think this is. I think this was baseball sending it out by, via Passan. And I think Rosenthal had something about this last week too on The Athletic. Um, I think this was a test balloon to see what we will tolerate and what the reaction would to it would be. So – a lot of things are discussed in this passing piece. Among them, the idea of playing seven-inning games, playing doubleheaders every day. Uh, among them, uh, an automated strike zone. Among them, no catcher, all of these things. But the, th- the thrust of it is this. The entire league is quarantined in Phoenix. And you play at the spring training venue, Chase Field. There's enough of them. I think there's like 12 spring trainings out there. You play all the way out there. You quarantine the teams – and their support staff and whatever you need, they're quarantined in hotels, and they go nowhere but hotel to stadium, hotel to stadium, in an effort to get it in. The first red flag that you see on this, I would think for most players, is, wait a second, I'm going to be away from my family for four and a half months? That's what's being required here? It's interesting, though. I asked Laurinaitis about this this morning, and he said that he would do it, that that's – that if that's what was required, that it would suck, but he would do it, and he would take – you know, obviously you're going to take your money. You only have so many years to make your money, and that he would do it. It's a tough one, right? The impact on families, I think, would be just yeah. staggering. It is. And I don't know. That's – you almost would have to make a – so that the players would and their families would be able to be together. I don't think you, you could, could probably take, do that. There's plenty of resorts in that area. Sure. But I think that's you what you would have to do. I don't think you could take, you know, fathers and husbands away from their families for X number of months just to be in quarantine to play sports. I, mean, I agree with you, but I do think that more would be willing to do it than you think um, yeah. would be willing to do it. And I think that what I like about it, at least, is and I think this is what it's going to take is it's going to take outside the box thinking mm-hmm. to get back to playing sports. And I like the fact that they're trying to find a way. I'm appreciative of that as a sports fan and as a consumer. And I also think from the standpoint of this would be wouldn't be something that would take away from people fighting this fight on the front lines. Right. You know, like th- this wouldn't impact that at all. 
Um, you quarantine them for 14 days. They stay quarantined. Frankly, I don't know why they'd have to social distance either. If all they're doing is going from quarantine hotel to stadium and back and forth, there'd be no reason for them to have to social distance on the baseball field. You could still do all of those things as you normally would. You would think so, right? And I think that's the, the appeal of it. And I think these are the jumping off points that will allow a more fully fleshed out plan you know, that takes into account families and businesses and things like that to allow it to actually come to fruition, right? I think that's exactly why it's good that this is coming out because now you're going to have something, you know, a baseline to jump off from and say, okay, well, what are the real logistics that would make this work and keep everybody happy and keep everybody safe? Yeah, I can't see anything. I saw Pierre LeBron on the NHL say that he that the NHL is really hell-bent on playing. Like if they do playoffs and doing it in 16 different venues, I don't see any scenario how you're going to be able to do that. I, I just don't think you're going to have that be able to have that type of travel. I, I think at this point where we are right now, it's hard, and if baseball wants to be back first, it's really hard for me to see anything happening without every team from a league being in one spot. So uh-huh. you could take the take the NBA and put them to Vegas. There's plenty of hotels, plenty of courts, and you play them there. Um, and you maybe you amend it. You get the whole playoff done in a month. Um, but but maybe that's what you do. And you play best of three instead of best of seven. I don't know spitballing here, but those are the type of things that I think can get done. You could take the NHL and you can go to Edmonton. Alberta, and there's enough hotels up there. They've got the second largest mall in the world up there, so there's places you can quarantine. I did not um, know that. Enough. Oh, it's incredible. Ice, incredible ice, uh, sheets of ice everywhere. It would Places like that you could do it that don't have the population density of, say, Toronto. You could do stuff. You take them to Winnipeg or something like that. There's sheets of ice everywhere. Play the whole league out. Do a best of three. I think those leagues want to crown champions. Yeah, and, I mean, especially coming out last night was one shining moment, dude. That is something that I set my clock to from the time I was as soon as as long as I've loved sports, I've watched every one shining moment live. And it was last night and you didn't get it and you're Did not going to get it. <laughs> and I think if you're the NHL or NBA, Major League Baseball, and if you could find a way to be creative and crown a team that doesn't harm anybody else or endanger anybody or doesn't take off the front lines, go forth. Do it. Yes. Yes, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. And I, I think that, you know, these kind of out-of-the-box thinking ideas are, are what are going to lead to these types of solutions. Uh, and I would love to see these teams, these leagues be able to figure that out. NBA, so many fewer players. Uh, so you would think that you would be able to coordinate logistics of that pretty easily. Um, golf would have to be able to come back. Hockey, you're right. Take them to Canada. Uh and then, you know, you have so much time to figure this out for the NFL. I feel pretty confident the NFL in some form or fashion is going to take place this year. No, I feel pretty I, confident I agree. about that. I feel very confident the NFL will take place. And it might be what you're used to, but none of this is what we're used to. Right. Um, and I also feel very confident that the NBA and Major League Baseball are going to sort something out. I think this Phoenix plan, it's, ex- it's extreme. But if it's this or no baseball, then do this. Figure it out. Quarantine those families if everybody wants. Look, there's plenty of resorts in Phoenix, the Phoenix area, to, to house these people. I mean, I don't think it would be that difficult to have it. Frankly, those resorts would probably like the business. So so fill them up and, and play them around that area. There's tons of stadiums there. Um, I, I don't think it would be that hard to keep those places quarantined. Just quarantine those staffs. Do it in a bubble. I feel the same way about the NBA. It's very possible. Final segment up next, CBD 850 ESPN Cleveland. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. All right, final segment here on a Tuesday edition. Tomorrow, the great Dane Brugler will join us at 1.30 to talk about his draft publication 
It is the Beast. He's out today for football fans at theathletic.com. Take your questions for Dane tomorrow during this segment. We can tweet them to at Browns Daily. Use the hashtag AskDane. Um, did, were you a morning guy as a kid, like in sports and stuff? Like if you had morning practice, did you like it? I mean, I was a, I was a swimmer, like a pretty competitive swimmer, and so I, I did not what like it, but I had – I had a morning. Uh, I had morning practices for a long, long Sucked. time. The yeah. worst morning swimming. There's really little Oof. worse than morning swimming, especially when in the Bay Area. Even though it's nice weather, it, it starts off overcast. So you're in the pool while it's overcast, cloudy and humid and cold and damp and rotten. I have a yeah. similar one awful. though. Morning wrestling practice because you go get beat up at practice, get all sweaty, shower, and you go to school. You just don't, still don't feel clean the entire day. Yeah. <laughs> terrible well, you, they, you feel you're never going to stop sweating either like, no 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 and it's they didn't do it often it, they coach actually used to do that as like a reward so we wouldn't have to go to practice after school but i man when he was like oh we're gonna do morning wrestling practice i'm like oh man like, i'd much prefer afternoons we had to do in football we had to do two a days and i grew up in an agricultural community so you had in the in two a days in the, in the end of, in august you had to be done with practice by 8 and because most of us were harvesting like we would go we'd practice football in the morning then we'd go work on a combine and, and harvest and so you would you'd be done by like 8 eight thirty. you'd be done with practice you could go to work and we would basically do two a days in the morning so it'd be like at 5 a.m would be football practice it'd be like a three-hour football practice one from like five to, or three and a half five to eight thirty i hated it so bad and then in basketball you had to do it a little bit you had to do early two days you had, before school you had to do it and i hated that too to that end I have always hated working out in the morning. So this morning, I thought to myself, you know what? I think I'm going to try this. First time in like 20 years, I'm going to work 25 years. I'm going to start. I'm going to do workout in the morning. I'd always done it after shows, or I would go, you know, do cardio or whatever after shows. I did it this morning. Pretty good. I got to tell you, it's a pretty good spot. It, you know what? It, when we were on much more of a, a regular schedule, and um, and you know, Miss K would be getting up at you know 6:45, 7. I like to just get up. And, and go right down and hop right on the bike because uh, then it's, yeah. it's over with. You feel great for your day. It's different now. I think as an adult, you're more inclined to do things earlier than you were as a child. Sure. Uh, no question. So, yeah, I think it's a great time to do it because then you've already accomplished something. Like for the it's day, done. you've already you've already done something, and you've done something yeah. pretty great. Yeah. I got to say, I liked it. It was pretty good. It was pretty, pretty, pretty I good. Did a, All right. I did a 45-minute Tabata yesterday, Jeez. which was just absolute madness. My legs hurt. Kayla did it as well. Minutes. A Tabata, which is 20 seconds. It's two to one. Yeah. So it's the ratio two on, one off. So 20 seconds on, 10 seconds off, two minutes on, one minute off. That's Brutal, crazy. awful, rotten. <laughs> rotten. <laughs> These two hours with you were not rotten. Even no, with your split allegiance. I still enjoy it. No, um, I love you. All man. right. Tomorrow, more fun. Uh, we'll have, of course, Dane Brulegar will join us. Get those questions to ask Dane. The next level is next. Thanks for listening. CBD 850 ESPN Cleveland. You've been listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, a production of the Cleveland Browns and ESPN 850 WKNR.